Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills From Afar podcast. You're with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing? It's been a sweet today, isn't it? You yes. know, we spend so long, so much time looking forward to the draft, so like Christmas Day, and then the day after you're like, all right, it's another year for the Christmas Day. So Yeah. <laughs> um I was looking at when is it when does the preseason start? <laughs> when do we play our first games? It just feels like this is the this is the long drag now where yeah. there isn't really an awful lot for the likes of you and me to do, you know, where yeah. as soon as the, the Super Bowl's done, we both get into our scouting and um, you know. You know, prepping our big boards and reading about players and watching players and now it's like all right there's not a lot to do i mean <laughs> so yeah it's a weird feeling really i mean i enjoyed most of the draft thought some of it dragged a little bit especially i thought for round two seemed to drag quite a lot yeah. um but um yeah i mean i think we have to be pretty happy with the draft hall um overall mm-hmm. i mean we'll get into that in a minute but i mean i think if yeah. you look at it in terms of what we needed what we've got some of the players, I think there's some exciting players. I think there's probably four starters there, if I'm honest, which yeah. is pretty good for a team with this level of quality to basically pick up four starters out of a draft. So it makes me feel like we, we've got a lot better. No, I think you're right. When you look at this draft class, which we'll uh, go through in a second, when you look at it, there's at least four starters, like you said, you know, and the what the draft analysts say uh, as a benchmark is if you get three starters in each draft class, then that sets you up for success as a franchise. So I feel like, you know, it might not be immediately, but I feel like Kair Elam and uh, James Cook, certainly, Matt, uh, the punk god, Matt Areza as well, they're, they're, they're locked in as uh, three starters week one. Um, and then Shakir, I think, can you know be in the mix in wide receiver, playing a slot. You know, he he can be there as well. Um, so yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And yeah, it's weird that you say about it being bittersweet. I had that same thought earlier um, today. Like, it's just this whole three month stretch now. It's a three full month stretch, and you know after what happened at the end of last season. It's just really nice to have that free agency and that draft to kind of transition nicely and still have the football uh, news happening. And But now three months, this is like, for me, it's the worst three months of the year. Like, it's great <laughs> here, it's summertime in the UK, so it'll be really nice weather and stuff. Uh, but yeah, like... And our football uh, season will be finished in a month. So, yeah. um, so then it'll be, uh, yeah, you've basically got this sort of two-month period where there's not really a lot to do. Um, I, I mean, no. I, I'm thankfully into the Tour de France. So I watch a bit of cycling. But other than that, it's, uh, it's slim pickings. Um, when, is the, when is the first preseason game? Do you know? Have you heard? I haven't actually looked, but it's usually August, isn't it? I'd say like the second, third week of August. And that's, third week seems a little bit too... Is it free, free preseason okay. games now, it isn't it? It will be Friday the 5th of August is the first Oh, okay. Um, so, so actually, yeah. three months. Actually, uh, I think it's probably the day before. It's one a.m. our time, so it'll be. I think there's one game, and then that weekend, so it'll be the sixth, seventh-ish, something like that, will be when the preseason games start to kick in. So actually, it's the start of August. So um, it is, yeah, it's three months. Cool. 
nurse did. I'll, I'll be penciling out my calendar and patiently counting down the days. <laughs> for that it's weird, time. isn't it? I mean, like your preseason football is kind of terrible in comparison to the real thing. But it's better than nothing. You, it's better than nothing. Yeah, I suppose we should probably try and look into this uh, developmental league that's on at the moment. I haven't managed to catch up with it at all yet, but um, again, yeah. better, better than nothing. I should probably try and look. Where's it being? Is it available to us in the UK? Of not? Mm, like, is no, it not really. I think ESPN, BT have the rights, but from what I've seen, they're not actually showing it, even though they've got the rights. Oh. So. Um, I think you've got to find some dodgy stream if that's your, uh, if that's an option to you in your in your region. So what's the um, what's the league that Terrell Ed, uh, Owens is playing in? And isn't it like seven by seven, like a weird indoor football league? No I saw idea. he's like forty eight now, and he caught a touchdown. That seems like it might be fairly interesting, like proper backyard <laughs> backyard type of football. Yeah, it'd be good fun. But yeah, we don't get access to any of that stuff, do we? No, so no, we don't. This is so the we... thing, and this is why the NFL needs a developmental league, and ideally one that's actually attached yeah. to the NFL, that they yeah. could run in spring, uh, spring and summer. I mean, there's so many players that come out of college, don't quite make the NFL. You know, there's undrafted free agents that are good players, but not yet necessarily ready for the NFL. If it had a proper developmental spring and summer league, then some of those players would make it through to, uh, to professional teams, and um, they the sport can only be better for it. Yeah, like the NBA G League, isn't it? It's, that's what we're looking for in the NFL, but they've always yeah. struggled to do. Maybe the European Super League will, uh, you know, provide that type of. <laughs> I, I well, this is it. the problem now, isn't it? Like now that the NFL are playing games here in in Europe regularly, um, yeah. does something like that just compete with with um, with the NFL? I mean, you know, we know once you've had the real product, do you really want to go back to something that's, that's sort of a lower level? But yeah, I, I mean. Uh, this has been an age-old question, is it for the NFL? How do we do this? But anyway, yeah, we don't have a lot to fill our time. That's the no. short way. But we will undoubtedly come up with all kinds of interesting content for our listeners. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, we'll have some more interviews with uh, with players, with players, with with fans from different corners of the world we've already got some people lined up for that we'll certainly be doing that we probably won't be won't be here you know throughout you know, we won't be doing two pods a week or anything like that or three or four as we've been doing recently but we will be yeah. uh, with you regularly to, uh, to try and fill your time with something interesting build related yeah and we've definitely got some exciting guests not only like uh, overseas fans but we've also got some media um that we've lined up as well some uh like bills uh you know major bills uh, media members so that'll be fun and exciting to bring those on so yeah so great shall we um just uh talk about this draft class then just do a yeah, recap and absolutely so well, i'll just, just start yeah. off with um i wish you were some draft experience because it's a difficult difficult process for us on this side atlantic to follow isn't it it starts at 1am the first night midnight the second night and then it's pretty much all all evening then on on the saturday what did you do how did what was your what was the draft experience like for you it's always pretty terrible like to be honest (laughs) just because of the time and just how long it goes on for uh you know, you're always putting pressure on yourself to try and like line up the naps so you're not too knackered and you're pretty awake. And you know, this year, like the first day, like for the first round, I felt great. Like I had like my naps all, you know, planned and they were successful and everything like this. So I was really like quite awake for the uh, first round itself. But the second day, it felt pretty bad like just I couldn't get the nap in like I was planning to before. So I think I went. I went. I know I went at least a full twenty-four hours. I think I Oof. went like a day and a half with only three hours sleep. So I went from Thursday evening to uh, like nine o'clock to Saturday late morning, 
just oh, no ugly. no sleep at all. That so <clears throat> that, that's what we go through, isn't it? That's the pain that we go through as UK fans to watch the full draft, you know. And did you so, watch all of day three? I sort of dipped in and out personally. I don't know. Yeah, I, I watched it in the background. Uh, I still had childcare duties at the time, so I was still keeping an eye on it whilst looking after my son. But as soon as he went to sleep, I watched it all the way through to the last pick, which was the linebacker from Clemson, um, Brennan Spencer. And yeah, after that, though, I didn't watch the draft like... But I switched over when Brandon Bean came on mm-hmm. and done his like uh, post-draft press conference, which is quite interesting. So um, hung around to about half 11 last night. Then I actually got a decent sleep in. So, yeah, so it wasn't a great experience. Had loads of good snacks and drink and all of that to try and keep me awake. And it did to some degree, but it, it is tough. Like, I, I love the draft. You know, I love the process. Uh, I love the event itself, but it's just really difficult for us it's in the long, UK to, yeah. yeah, like, well, day two is probably a worst just because you've got, um, you have to wake up, you know, it starts at midnight our time and then it continues through to like five, you know, see, it's yeah. not our first round where it's what from one to, it went really quick this year, like yeah, one, one to four kind of thing. Yeah, yeah one yeah. to three thirty-four. Um, whereas, yeah, the uh, second day, because there's double plus <laughs> the picks, you're going from midnight to yeah, I was rough, the, that, that middle bit where you sort of, you're not even on the ticker and you're entering the third round. Yeah. And thinking, oh my word, we've got another 20 odd picks before yeah we're even we're even picking you know and then you're working it out in your head okay what well, seven minutes per pick and this could this could be rough um yeah that certainly dragged i think the first first round was felt like it flew flew by and you know we were all up some friends of ours were up i had other friends of different teams up and chatting away with them the whole time yeah. it felt felt good it's Second. the chaos wasn't it there's a lot of chaos engaged with what was going on so no i completely agree the first round wasn't too bad but days two day two was probably the worst and then day three was fine yeah. just because it starts five o'clock our time mm-hmm. uh, in the evening so and then i think it finished 11 so yeah no so we talked bad. about uh Kyrie elim of course in our previous pod but yeah. um yeah day two ring, uh, comes around and um yeah. yeah some interest interesting things to get into isn't there yeah some interesting place to talk about yeah so i'll just give an overview i'm sure you're all aware anyway of who we selected in our 22 class but i'll just start at the top so kai elam um pick 23 calling back from florida that we talked about <clears throat> we've done a separate episode um on the friday after the pick was announced um so if you want more analysis on him go back to that one i'd say um round two with pick 63 so we traded back twice small trade backs to acquire six fan picks what was your take when we started trading <clears throat> back what do you think was going on no i was messaging at the time i think wasn't it oh. i that um it was good just because it was a slight trade back you know, I was thinking, I'll get into this a little, in a little while, but I was thinking when we were acquiring sixth round picks that that would be ammunition to trade up. And it wasn't really like, because we already had two sixth round picks and we only traded away one of those four sixth round picks in the end. Um, I was expecting us to do a little bit more day three, try and get to round four or again in round five. Um, that didn't transpire. So I was quite happy because we only went in the end from uh, 57 to 63, so six picks uh, down and we acquired two sixth round picks so no I can't really argue with that and we got a really good player in James Cook running back from Georgia uh, in round three we picked uh, Terrell Bernard linebacker Baylor 
round five, uh, pick 148, Khalil Shakir, wide receiver, Boise State. Round six, pick 180, yep. Matt Areza, punter from San Diego State. Round six, pick 185, Christian Benford, cornerback, Villanova. And round six, pick 20, 209, Luke Tenuta, uh, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. And then round seven, we pick 231, Bale Inspector, linebacker, Clemson. So that's our draft. So when you look at that in its entirety, Charlie, like what would you... Uh, what what would you uh, select as your like, best value pick out of those? Best value is very clear. I think it's Khalil Shakir. Um, I had a third yeah. round grade on him. Um, he was an, a, he was one of the guys that I really liked watching film on. I, I usually highlight a selection of players that have really stood out to me when I've scouted them, and he was one of the guys that had, had, had uh, highlighted. It doesn't mean those are the only guys I'm interested in, but it's one of the guys that I thought I'm going to be excited if we pick him. You yeah. Know, um, anybody that's sort of interested, go take a look at some of the film on Khalil Shakir. This guy just catches incredible play. You know, really incredible catches. Um, he's dynamic. He's good for yards after the catch. I think yeah. he's he's quick enough. You know, he's a he's a four four guy rather low than four, four three four, guy, yeah. but mm-hmm. he's a low four four guy, and his his explosion is is pretty good. So he's um, he gets off the line quickly. Um, yeah, he's a bit, he's long, he can play outside, inside. I think he's the sort of guy that maybe will have, he'll become our wide receiver four next year with a view to him becoming the wide receiver three the following year, yeah. probably taking over um, a slot. Yeah. So he ticks a lot of boxes. He can also return kicks and punts, I believe. Yeah. Um, that wasn't something I looked at in especially special detail. But yeah, I, that was without doubt the best value pick. I was surprised. I, I kind of wondered whether he was going to be the pick um in the in the third round um, yeah it wasn't I, the thing about wide receivers i wanted a wide receiver i thought they should pick a wide receiver but i could also have understood if they decided to kick that can down the road because they didn't actually need one this year there's enough depth especially with dawson knox um bringing in a tight another tight end in oj howard that can actually catch bringing in um running back in duke donson who can catch out the backfield um getting more production out of um out of, out of this sort of tight end room maybe a bit more out of um, Isaiah McKenzie, you could see, well, we can, we can make do. We actually don't have to get another wide receiver. I did want one. So it's an exciting class. And I think yeah. long-term it sets us up well, but I was, I was actually wondering whether we, they would take one in round three, but no, yeah. to take, get him in round five, I think was, was excellent. Um, and um, yeah, fun player. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to watch him play. It's tremendous value, and he was my selection as well. When you consider uh, Wanda Robinson from Kentucky, who's a similar type of player, um, went in uh, the top half of the second round uh, from the Giants. That was is phenomenal value to get him uh, in the fifth round because I think he's a better player than Robinson. Uh, oh yeah, really low on Robinson. You know, Robinson might have tasted well, a little a bit of, quicker. He's a but, Isaiah McKenzie type, isn't he? That to me, I think he's. He's a sort of uh, short slot kind of guy. You used a lot in the sort of gadgety plays. Yeah, we have one of those. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. But he's he's got more of a true like slot presence. You know, mm. his release package at the line, um, his run after catchability, as you mentioned, like that's the most tantalising uh, part of his game for me. Just he gets you know, open. And that's what Josh needs, isn't it? He gets yeah. open, and he's quick in those short areas. You know, the kind of uh, underneath routes and. Yeah, yeah. And he's 
I think, you know, he can play outside, but I think he will um, be kind of our long-term slot option there. And I feel like, you know, he's a completely different player to Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is like the deep threat, the bigger guy, you know, Mm. can track him vertically down the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like they could have the same, not to say he's going to play, you know, he's not going to have one of these, you know, four touchdown performances like he did against the Chiefs in the playoffs, but he could have that same ascension. You know, he could have that same... Uh, you know, gradual um, importance into this offense, you know, especially when his contracts will be up in a couple of seasons as well. That's kind of a good contingency plan um, because he can play a little bit outside as well, but more of a slot. But I just feel like with him, I feel like there's a, a pretty high ceiling and we can get quite a lot out of him, especially this offense, you know, it's going to work so well, spread offense. He's going to get opportunities to, make catches and, you know, create some big time plays. I mean, if you put, yeah, I mean, the sort of empty backfield options with him in the mix is really going to be quite exciting. Um, I just feels, it just feels like a really well-rounded wide receiver room. And then we'll get into the, the backfield in, in a minute, but yeah, I mean, how many, how many teams have five, you know, four wide receivers as good as the Bills? It's, uh, and they're all players that I think are going to mesh well, you know, all mesh well with Josh. And I think Khalil Shakir will as well, simply because he gets open. Um, and uh, I think he, he's, he's, he offers that sort of slightly different type of uh, wide receiver in the fact that he can make um, yards after catch. Um, he's also decent, decent blocker, which, you know, is important for the Bills. Um, he's just that open space threat, I guess, which we haven't, really had so yeah, yeah excited to see him play i think he, he he looks like a bill yeah um so the next category then most head scratching pick like is any of these <laughs> that you look at and you think yeah. oh what are they doing so i think i have to admit that i did lose my shit a little bit when we drafted terrell bernard yeah. out of baylor and that wasn't a criticism of terrell bernard it was more, much more of a, I didn't see how he fitted with what the Bills were looking for. As um, as you know, I'm, I was quite pro drafting a linebacker. We'd lost AJ Klein. I was looking for that sort of downhill run stuffer, third linebacker option. Um, and what we got was essentially a guy who has the same sort of body type. Body type, testing as Matt Milano. Matt Milano. Um, yeah. And if anything, maybe look more like a safety Um so that was an absolute head scratcher. Now, if we had drafted him in the fifth round, I would have gone, oh, interesting. Nice special teams guy, brilliant tackler, happy days. But yeah. the fact we got him um, when we did, I mean, I had a fourth round ranking on him. Um, yeah, I just, he just wasn't one of my guys, you know. And yeah. t- for us to take him in the third round when we had other needs, frankly, was, was an absolute head scratcher. Now, I've been giving this a lot of thought <laughs> because yeah. the Bills do not do anything without a plan, especially a round three pick. So I'm like, okay, what is the route for this guy to make the roster? He's not displacing Matt Milano. He doesn't have anything like the size and wingspan of Tremaine Edmonds, which we know is important to, to close out those, those passing lanes. What is this guy going to do? So one take I had was maybe he's that Lorenzo Alexander style replacement. Um, you know, the guy who's maybe more of a nine tech rushing off the edge. Um, maybe he is the 2023 replacement of Jordan Poyer. And actually they plan to turn him into a strong safety um, because I think he plays quite like a strong safety. He's really good in pass coverage. Um, he's also good, you know, downhill and, and, and you know, attacking the, the line scrimmage. Um, he's got the sort of weight, size, height to be a strong safety. Um, 
Another option, and then this is just another idea, I, I kind of threw it out there in the sort of UK Bills chat um, the other night, and then I heard um, Eric from, uh, from Cover One say something similar, is maybe the Bills are thinking about playing some odd fronts. Maybe with Von Miller, who's not a, you know, uh, hand in the dirt kind of edge yeah. rusher. He's out, mm-hmm. you know, out Stand wide, up. stood up, yeah. maybe as a more of a nine tech. Maybe their plan is to play three defensive linemen, play four linebackers with Von Miller and Terrell Bernard attacking the edges. Um, again, just an idea, but no evidence for that at all. Yeah. But it feels like it has to be something that, and my, my final idea was, is this the guy that they thought they wanted in uh, Kyle Duggar in, in, in last year's draft? Last year's draft. Yeah. Um, 2019, uh, 2019, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, two years ago. We know they want, They were looking at that sort of positionless chess piece type player, yeah. someone that, who could do a bit of everything and um, go after mismatches, go after you know, big slots, go after linebackers. Is he that guy? <laughs> and, and we'd simply not spotted him before in terms of having that role. Um, and I think if that's, if that's the case, fantastic. If one of those things is true, then fantastic. I'm happy. But I just couldn't see it when we drafted him in the third round. And I did lose my shit a little bit. And yeah. um, I thought it was, it was, it was bizarre, frankly. Um, but I trust these guys. They will have a plan. And I'm sure one of those at least is the plan. And we will, and what it's kind of interesting. They're going to try some different things. And I think that's, that's fascinating to see. What was yeah. your reaction? I mean, were you similarly uh, kind of... Yeah, I was a little bit off. gobsmacked uh, <laughs> about it, to be honest. It's funny, though, isn't it? If you swap Shakir's pick, you know, for, for selections where they were selected, Shakir and Bernard, then we'd be all quite, as you said, you know, would have accepted it. But just the fact that, you know, there's players like Dylan Parham who went the pick after available on the board that I was really high oh, there was, on. There was good guards yeah. available, which, you know, we didn't really fill. Um, yeah, there's, there's other needs there that we didn't use that, we that pick on. After. So because of that, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't happy about the pick. And just based on, you know, seeing his testing and the size, as you said, you can't, I, I was trying to figure out as well, just how is he going to fit into this team? You know, maybe, you know, it frees up Matt Milano. Maybe, he, you know, because he's a real effective blitzer as well. Maybe they see him as, you know, Bernard coming in on the pass coverage snaps when we're third and long, you know, keeping three linebackers on the field and not having a nickel and just allowing Matt Milano to Maybe come in off the big the nickel, edge. you know, especially if you play against you know, like, you know, Patriots and it's two t- two tight ends. And it, you yeah, know. yeah. Maybe. Um, It'll be interesting. I suppose we'll get more clues you know, through training camp potentially and certainly a preseason games of, you know, what, what, where do they see him fitting? Like, how do they see, as you said, they've got to have a plan for him because they wouldn't have there selected will be a plan. him. It's certainly for otherwise. a third rounder. This isn't just some kind of depth piece, which we no. would have interpreted that if he'd got picked him up in the fifth round. Have, yeah, yeah. There will be a plan. It's just, I had no idea what the plan was and it wasn't no. in any way what I, I thought they were going to do. And I don't think we do yet because we're just speculating about it. And I don't think anyone's yeah. talked in detail about, you know, what type of player and how they envisage him into this well, defense. So. Let's, let's be clear. He, he's a, he's a good player, right? He's, he's aggressive. Yeah. He's a, he's an interesting attacking defensive player. He's really good in coverage. You know, I've watched some film on him. Um, and I, I, you know, he was a, a player that I scouted, but he's not AJ Klein uh, insofar as you know, when, when we brought AJ Klein in, we were trying very much to stuff the run. Um, you know, we had that, that guy, who was going to attack the line of scrimmage downhill, not very good in coverage. Yeah, fine. But he was someone who helped us go up against those run heavy teams. This isn't that guy. Um, 
he's much more in the kind of Matt Milano sideline to sideline coverage kind of linebacker. Yeah, he's a wheel, not have. a mic, is he? And I was no, expecting yeah. the mic as a potential trait, you know, Tremaine Edmonds' um, insurance policy that if something yeah. was to happen with him, we've got a player, a mic linebacker who's available, you know, he, he's been on the team, he's learned the playbook that could come in and seamlessly, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to fill his shoes just because of what he brings to the team. But, well, you know, he's already in the system and all that kind of thing. And it goes back to what we were saying before. The, the draft tells a story about what the, the team think about the, yeah. the players they've got, but also where they want to take it. If they'd have drafted Troy Anderson, for example, or, um, I don't know, um, some other sort of physical freak, um, we would have thought, hmm, they're trying to cover their options for Edmonds. Yeah. If they'd have drafted a kind of a downhill, heavy, I don't know, uh, Chad Moomer or something, um, then we would have thought, ah, there's the AJ Klein replacement. But they've drafted Matt Milano <laughs> and they love Matt Milano. And Matt Milano was one of the best defensive players in the first half of last season. There's no way there's anything happening to Matt Milano, trading Matt Milano. Especially because they uh, restructured his deal. So it makes it harder to get out of his contract. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, next he's, year. he's locked in. I mean, yeah. Um, so, as I said, that, that, that then says, well, they've got to be doing something else with this pick. Um, yeah. And so we still don't, I mean, and let's, let's just play this out. Why might they not have felt the need to replace AJ Klein's t- style of play? And perhaps it's because they've got Meteor on the defensive line. Maybe they think this new worked uh, defensive tackle group is going to be able to stuff the run much more effectively and they're going to need less support from the linebackers to um, to fill those holes. And that's then opening up other options, especially with being able to bring in, um, you know, a, a good quality cornerback too. Um, it's because maybe gives them more options with Poyer and Hyde as well. Um, and if they can show, you know, even more different looks with this movable chess piece, that can only be a useful thing for the Bills. So it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see. But what, what we can say is that something has changed. There's, there's a new idea here. If I had to have my guess, it's something to do with the fact we've got Von Miller and they're not going to ask Von Miller to put his hand in the ground um, and play a traditional, you know, um, defensive end position. You know, on a four-three, I think my most likely scenario is that they have they have the idea they might want to play a few odd fronts. Or could they have seen what happened in the last thirteen seconds of a Chiefs game and think, well, we need another coverage linebackers to match up with the tight ends? So, you know, he might not have the same yeah, size profile, but I've he's heard, got that speed. I've heard other people say that. I honestly think that thirteen seconds was a failure of coaching. It was nothing to do with the players that we had on the field. And I think that would have been a massive overreaction if that's the case. I mean, look, the reality is if you can get better in coverage against the, the best passers in the league, and if we look at the passers in the AFC, yeah. that's a good thing. But I, I, I do think that it cannot have been brought on. I just don't think this this coaching staff is that sensitive to one thing. Um, I don't honestly think that was a failure of coach, coaching. Was it 2021 or 2020 where we had the word or we gave up most yards to tight ends? I think it was 2020, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So because I know we it was a real concern improved. coming into last year, wasn't it? We were, yeah, yeah. Have, have we got any better at coming in, defending against tight ends? And we did, but mostly because Matt Milano was fit. Yeah, because we went from first to worst between 2019 uh, and 2020. So it's not like, you know, we were that bad 
last year. I don't know where we are. I don't have a stat in front of me, but um, it felt like we were definitely better because Matt Milano was fit more. He still had injuries. So maybe it's insurance for Matt Milano. You know, he has had injuries. Um, as I said, he is tied down to his contract, but if he's not available, then we have got a, you know, a pass coverage linebacker who can, um, you know, cover tight ends and, you know, he's able to go a bit more sideline sideline than so what we have currently. Could he be that? Yes. Is that why they drafted him? Absolutely not. I don't think you ever draft a third round guy to be insurance. I think, yes, he might end up doing that if Milano was, was injured, but I, there has to be some other reason yeah. why they picked him. Yeah. 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 I third agree. It's not that, premium, but it's going to help. It's going to help, isn't it? So, um, so most underrated pick then. So my most underrated pick, and I think this is weird because he has had a lot of hype is Matt Razor simply because these are free yards. And I don't think people really appreciated just how much damage Matt Hawk did to us last year. Um, you know, there's, there's average, there's terrible, which was Matt Hawk was the worst punter in the league. And then there is potentially the, the guy who can kick it 80 yards, for goodness sake. He yeah. can kick it as far as Josh Allen can throw it, which is, you know, kind of nuts. We have two players who can move the ball 80 yards. But, I think this is a massive, massive improvement for the special teams. These are, these are first downs that Josh Allen doesn't need to get. These are pushing the, the defense back into their own red zone. Now, he's probably not the most accurate kicker. And I, I think, sorry, accurate punter. Um, I think or he clear. hasn't got the longest hang time as well, which is no, really I'm, important, isn't he? So, yeah, yep. there's a, but I think it's going to be, better he, than gonna Hawk, be isn't it? <laughs> a big improvement over Matt Hawk. And even if he just gets us to average, I will be happy and not have to worry about punting. Because um, that was an oh. absolute burden last year. Yeah, but is he then going to sacrifice holding? Because he said that he's not really, he's never had to hold. So he's got do you know why he doesn't have to skill. hold? Have you, have you heard the why he doesn't hold? No, no. It's because he's also the kicker. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, for his team. So, um, yeah, this is this is a crazy thing. And actually, it's a nice backup option, I suppose, if we really need another kicker. But yeah, Matt Areza was the uh, the kicker also for, for San Diego State. So um, that's why he's not been kick, um, kick, uh, holding. But what he has done ever since the season's been over is working on his holding. And, um, you know, I honestly think if somebody gave you and I three months to train how to hold, we'd probably be okay by the end of that period, wouldn't we? I mean, how hard can it be? I mean, uh, if that's all you were doing, <laughs> you get them on the drugs machine, get you know, Reed Ferguson snapping, snapping, snapping 100 snaps a day, eventually yeah. you're going to get better at it. And um, You'd think, wouldn't you? you we don't even, so. We, we don't have so. nuances of holding, you know, being a uh, holder or anything like that uh, but yes you know you'd think so you know layman's terms from our Practice makes perspective perfect, right yes from yeah. our perspective um and the reality is the bills must think he can learn it otherwise they wouldn't have drafted him because no you know that well yeah so i actually think as i said it's hard to say he's underrated because there's been a lot of pop about him but yeah i don't think people are really really thinking about the impact he could have uh, that's how i see it what about you do you have yeah. a, an underrated guy yeah, so I've got I've gone different. So I've gone for a round two selection, James Cook, running back from Georgia. So I don't really see him as a huge rushing threat, you know, for lying up in the backfield, you know, taking handoffs from Josh Allen. I don't think he's a huge threat. He's got much better speed than what we've got in the backfield at the moment. Um, but I just 
I'm just excited, really excited by a prospect of him uh, in a receiving game, you know, running wheel routes. Uh, 20% of uh, downs, he was lined up predominantly in a slot, but also out wide, which I think is pretty crazy for a running back. You know, he's going to be a fantastic receiving threat for Josh Allen. And, you know, I think we've been wanting that for a year or two, that legit, you know, receiving back for James White type of player. Um that on third down you can keep on the field uh, and he's a legit receiver you know he's made some impressive catches and impressive uh, plays you know if you could put him in the open field then he's gonna create yards and touchdowns and uh, for this team so I'm really excited by prospect of James Cook having him you know and also not only um, was this a giveaway, you know, with his selection, but you look at him and Shakir, there's a clear emphasis that they're looking to upgrade at slot. And that had to happen uh, long-term because of Beasley being cut. You know, Crowder, I think is going to be a great one-year option. You know, I think he could even be someone that we could bring back potentially after as well. But, you know, that just gives us more insurance, you know, more weapons uh, from the backfield. Uh, and I'm, yeah, just, as I said, really excited uh, yeah. to see James Cook line up in this offense. Yeah, he's he's great. I, and again, he was one of the guys I highlighted as just an exciting player. Um, again, it's just a great. mismatch nightmare, isn't he, at linebacker, well, you know, yeah. for opposition well, linebackers? I think there's a two, couple of things. Firstly, he's, he's quicker than any, anybody we've got in the backfield. So that's that's good news. Um, he's, like you say, he's that dual threat guy. Um equally competent rusher and um and wide receiver um he suddenly opens up all those sort of screen game options wheel routes checks yeah some of the mckenzie stuff the jet sweep stuff yeah he's got genuine pace so he can attack the edge which is he's got that breakaway speed um which we've not had he's shifty you know i mean there's some discussion about his vision i mean i think what you'd say is inconsistent but there yeah. are times where he can really pick a hole through a crowd of guys. I mean, he's not going to be the kind of third down, third and one up the middle thumper guy. No, um, that's not his game. No, no, it's not his game. And maybe we still need one of those. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it's all huge Josh Allen for, right? Um, yeah. But so here's the other thing I think about James Cook, which I think is quite interesting, is that there is some overlap in terms of his skill set with with Shakir. Yeah. Um, so. I think you can do quite a lot in terms of play design and not give away your hand and like yeah. what is actually going to happen in this play. Yep. Um, I think that's quite exciting. It just creates more confusion, more things for the um, for the opposition defense to worry about. And if you, you think about the sort of best, I don't know, let's say 11 personnel setup where you've got James Cook in the backfield, you've got Dawson Knox at tight end, you've got that sort of Crowder, Diggs, and Davis combination. That's a nightmare for a defense to deal with. It really is. I think it's it's quite exciting for Bills fans because we've added this extra dimension. And I think we were obviously looking with that, looking for that with JD McKissick. It didn't happen. We obviously then brought yeah. Duke Johnson. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what percentage of snaps Duke Johnson gets versus James Cook. But I wouldn't be surprised if James Cook beat out Duke Johnson. In, in this this uh, this summer, um, I really wouldn't. Yeah. I think he's a dynamic player, and I, I'm genuinely excited to see him play. One other thing I was thinking about when you were talking just then is it's going to really help Josh Allen as well in terms of you know scrambling ability. You know, if James, if we go eleven personnel, you know, got Diggs, Davis, Crowder, uh, or Shakir, you know, lining up. Um, on the outside and then you've got James Cook in the backfield and James Cook um, runs a route then the linebackers are going to have to take that threat seriously because of what he can do with the ball in his hands so that then creates extra space ahead of Josh Allen Absolutely. so if Josh Allen 
wanted to scramble and get those yards, which we know he's so good at. You know, clearly McDermott said they want to limit that and try and reduce that where possible. But if we're in a, you know, the AFC Championship, you know, all, you know, all breaks are off, aren't they? And, you know, if he can scramble, that's well, just going to create extra space in the middle. Let's look at it the other way, it? which is what happens if Josh wheels out to these right? Yeah. James Cook goes left. And yeah. then you've got Allen throwing crossfield balls to essentially an open open field because all the linebackers are so worried about Josh yeah. and his running ability. It just Crazy, creates it? So, so many, many options. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, when I've been, I try to, I mostly consume sort of Bill's media, but when I've looked at some of the national media, the national media are very high on this pick in terms yeah. of what on earth do you do with this Buffalo offense? Because it was so good anyway. And they've added this, it's not just a good player, but they've added a good player that adds this extra di- uh, dimension to the team. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it's exciting. It really is. And that's what I was looking for this off season. I said about 12 personnel as well after we finished the season and we didn't draft it well, we didn't draft a tight end. We bought one in as a UDFA, Jalen Widemar, uh, who's a competition for uh, Tommy Sweeney's tight end three. But we added OJ Howard, so he could now run 12 personnel. He now, he now got a legit receiving back in the backfield. You know, it's just, you know, as you say, so many options uh, in this offense. And I we've don't got know how defense is Genuinely stop it. better. Um, genuinely yeah. better. And I think the fact we didn't draft, draft an offensive lineman. Um, is it well? We didn't drop draft a guard. Let's say we didn't drop draft a sort of starting guard. I think tells us that they think that they're, they're pretty happy. They're pretty set. It probably also tells us that they think they can get more out of Cody Ford, um, at least a sort of a competent backup a, a guard. Um, so you know that offensive line finished last year pretty solid. I think we have to say. I think we we we'd, yeah. we, we'd, we'd say it was it was pretty you know it was average and and competent. And now with the addition of um, Roger Saffold, we've got to say it's probably improved. Um, another year, of course, for, uh, for Spencer Brown. So we have to think that this offensive line, if everybody's fit, is better than it was. We still brought back Ike Botka. Um, we've got to hope that, um, that, that we get something a little bit more out of Cody Ford. So the offensive line's better. You know, Josh Allen might even get better. We've got a better running back. <laughs> And we've got Josh better, get better, my goodness. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, but he could, right? He could, I mean, yeah, I know. Who, but who what the hell is going to put a ceiling on, on, uh, on Josh Allen? Um, <laughs> so, oh, dear. I mean, if you think about the, the check down option suddenly becomes a really, it becomes an attacking option, whereas as opposed to sort of more of a defensive option is that yeah, if we can get the check downs to James Cook and you give him the ball in space, Wow. I mean, it's terrifying for defences. And yeah, I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see yeah. what, 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 what they cook up because it just opens up so many options for them. I mean, there really yeah. is no boundaries what this offence could achieve now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, most likely to have immediate impact. Which one of these players do you think will be an in- immediate impact player for the Bills? I think it'll be uh, Kyrie Lam. Um, yeah. I think that he'll be start on the, in the first game. Um, whether... Tredavious White is back or not, I think for sure he'll be starting. Um, I think he's a big upgrade over Levi Wallace. He's what we've been more calling out for for two seasons. Yep. Someone who's athletic, who can uh, play it, play up against um, some of the quicker receivers that we have. He's, he's taller. Um, he's got a really high ceiling. There's a lot of development that can still come from Kyrie Lim. So um, I think he starts, um, as you would expect, from your first round pick. And the Bills play our first round picks. We don't tend to sort of develop them. Um, uh, too much before they start, start to play. So, yeah. yeah, I think he's immediate starter on day one. I think Matareza will start day one. But, yeah, in terms of picking out the guy who's going to have the immediate impact, it'll be, um, 
it'll be a carry on, I think. Yeah, not only because he's a first-round pick, which, as you said, when you look back at first-round picks for the Bills, they do have big roles in this team. You know, they are starters. They're not, you know, sitting as a reserve on a bench, you know, anything like that. They do play. And obviously, with cornerback being our, um, you know, most needed position, um, you know, that's the slot that you can come in and play straight away if you're a first-round pick. And... What's come out since he's been selected? You know, we've all seen the footage, you know, of, of the selection and him talking to Brandon Bean and um, and uh, Terry Pakula and, and those guys saying, I want that playbook, I want that playbook, give me that playbook. You know, he's got a real hunger and determination there. You know, he's, he's got high character and he's not just, you know, happy to settle with what type of player he is. He wants to get better. He wants to improve, you know. And this coaching staff... Um, Keith Butler, Sean McDermott, you know, they get the best out of their DBs. So just really happy uh, with the pick and yeah. just really looking forward to him. Yeah, I just said making that immediate impact. Do you think he even knew he was talking to Terry Bagula? He didn't. He, he had seemed, no idea, no. did he? No, he was just caught in a moment, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, exciting times. Yeah. So um, the one that got away then, so a player that either was taken just before the Bills or was available for the Bills. Is there a player that you would have really liked over someone else that the Bills didn't draft? Well, okay. So let's offer Charlie's alternative alternative scenario here. Um, in my alternative world, we... So it's, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because we, we, I, we think we both expected us to kind of package up those six and get back into the fourth somehow. Yeah. Maybe fourth and a fifth get into the fourth couple of six get into the fifth round and essentially replace those draft picks yeah. um so with that in mind yes there were players certainly in the third round that i would have preferred um well there were a number of a number of players if i'm honest but i was i had my eye on guard at that point um i was looking at players like maybe tyrese robinson uh Lasisha smith um those kind of guys and i was also looking at wide receivers and i had my eye on of course <laughs> the guy we ended up getting kayla shakir in the end yeah um i thought there were some interesting options there so those were the sort of areas i kind of half an eye on tight ends because i still felt like well we've only got you know, Dawson Knox, I'm pretty sure that we'll get a contract, but after that, we're in slim pickings. So people like um, Greg uh, Dulcich, I mean, he he went a little just before we picked, I think, didn't he? Um, but yeah. Kate Autumn was on was on the uh, Jelani Woods went before we we got we got to our pick as well. So yeah, I think there was a, there was a few players that may have, have have driven the the Bills in a slightly different direction. Um, as we saw, we got Khalil Shakir in the fifth round. Um, if we'd got him in the third and we'd taken um, our friend, um, you know, the, the linebacker in uh, in Terrell Bernard in the fifth, I think we would have gone, wow, that's quite that's really good value. So it's weird how things play out. Leo Chanel uh, yeah. was a player that I had my eye on, uh, would have yeah. liked him um, as an alternative. But again, I was thinking in the historical way that the Bills have been thinking in terms of their linebackers, not in what I think that will suspect they're going to be moving, that they're moving towards. As I said, there seems to be a different plan. And so that's 
that's this is the beginning of the story. We haven't quite worked out what the mystery is yet, but we know they're at the beginning of it of a different kind of story, and they're not simply just replacing like for like. So, but yeah, those are all players that I kind of had my eye on, would have liked to have seen us. And then when we picked Terrell Bernard, I was like, what? What what on earth's happening? I mean, what does this tell me? This, this and uh, yeah, so of course, with a bit of time and reflection, you sort of see some possible scenarios. But at the time, I just couldn't see what they were thinking. Yeah, no. So you said a couple of players there, uh, Leah Chanel uh, for me, because I was looking at more of a Mike than a Will. Um, he was someone on the board at 89 that I thought, you know, could really come in. That's good value as well. He was seen as a consensus, like second round player. Clearly, from what we've observed in uh, the 2022 NFL draft, the teams don't see it like the media and like the scouts um, you know, that work for the media teams like Everyone's thought Leah Chanel was like a surefire second round pick. Yeah, he fell to just after us, I think. Uh, yeah, maybe just a point, a point on that before you carry on. Because yeah. it, it can be a question about, well, what do you guys know anyway? And we, we're amateurs of this. You know, we watch bits of yeah. film. We don't scout players throughout the year. You know, these teams have professional scouting teams. They're out there all the time looking at, you know, all these college games. But what they also know that we don't know is two major things. Firstly, is what's the character of the individual? You know, are they going to yeah. fit in with my my dressing room and yeah. the culture that I'm trying to build? No matter what team that is. And secondly, what the medical history is. Yeah, yeah, you got so those two pieces of information plus the fact that we all, you know, in terms of the, the you know, I wouldn't consider us to be the media. We that we're we're, we're fans no. who, who like to yeah. sort of dabble a little bit. Yeah. Um, we don't have access to that kind of information. So when no. players drop, you know, Tariq Woolen was a key one you know he went 153 to seattle most people including me but i don't know whether what you had him i had him as a second rounder so there's yeah. obviously stuff that you know um people know about treat woolen that, that that sort of shows that he's not um he he wasn't what we all thought he was and it's not that people go well he's not he's actually not a fifth rounder or a sixth round guy it's that people have choices and they go, I'd rather take the other guy because of that reason. I'd rather mm. take this other guy rather than that reason. And, uh, and if enough teams do that, that's why t- sometimes players fall quite a long way, probably below their actual ability, simply because there's always that other option. Mm. And then it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like when people grade players, like, you know, we've got grades on players, you know, other, you know, media members have grades on players, you know, fans criticise those grades or, you know, they're not aligned to what the teams think. No one knows. It's a complete projection, you know, and us saying who's the most... Nobody knows. We, we, no we one knows. The no teams either. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously certain players fit certain teams better just from a culture standpoint, you know, how established that team is, you know, you've got more chance of succeeding at a build or Ravens or, you know, one of these uh, successful franchises in terms of like the culture and all of this type of thing. Could then ally, you know, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, it's all about landing spot as well. So we like players, but the landing spot might not work um, for that player. And as you said, we don't know the medicals, we don't know their character, anything like this. It's purely a projection based based on film um, and sometimes they you know it pays off and you can strike lucky and someone like a Khalil Shakir who we're really high on that went in the fifth will become like a breakout NFL star usually it works the other way and you know players you're high on um, they you know pan out well in the NFL but 
that's just the NFL. It's a business, and you know, all, not all players are going to succeed. I was surprised a couple of my guys like went in the set, like sixth and seventh. Ty Chandler and Montaric Brown, like he went um, seventh round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, I was pretty astonished by that, considering I was pretty high on him, like a day two surefire kind of player. But he fell. So clearly, there was a medical thing there, probably, or you know, something that we're not aware of, or he's got like a capped athletic profile. So teams weren't, you know, didn't like that. But we don't really know. We're just making projections so um time will tell you know in a couple of years time you know we're going to have an idea of you know where we right or wrong about these players so yeah so anyway back to a point <laughs> it's really good points that we made but the one that got away so Leah Chanel who I mentioned Dylan yep. Parham uh in the third as well went straight after us to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and then Jamari Soldier I think you might have mentioned him from Georgia the sixth round I, I don't know what he was doing there like he's just a you know plug and play guard um, Darian Kennard as well. He mentioned our trenches previous. He, I think he stayed till the fifth or something like that. So again, this could be a medicals thing, but um, there's a few players I really liked that went on day three that we could have got uh, like pick 185. Um, and yeah, we just didn't select them. So we'll see how it pans out going forward. But um, was there any surprises in terms of strategy from you? Like just no, what the deal's I think, done? Um, actually, no, I think it's... It- it was much less surprising than last year when we double dipped in two positions. Uh, I think nobody saw that strategy come, but we knew we needed, we knew we needed a cornerback. We knew we needed running back. We knew we wanted a wide receiver. Um, all of those three positions were taken. We didn't take a guard. Okay. Um, yeah. You, know, that's, you can't that's take fine. every position. You can't take every no. position. Um, we knew, well, we, we thought they might want a tight end. Well, they've obviously picked up Jalen Weidemeyer. Not a guy I'm high on, I have to be honest. No. Uh, what I will say, though, is I think he plays better than he tests. Yeah. Um, you know, there'll be stuff going around Twitter in terms of his Raz, which looks appalling. Yeah. But he's not. He's not, you know, that is just one part of the puzzle, isn't it? You know, you've got to look at the character, you've got to look at his play speed as well as um, what you see. And often these these RAS, if you really look at the difference, you know, you'll see a massive, you'll see a big dip between a guy who's 6'4 and a guy who's 6'3. And all they're doing is comparing you to archetypes. So it's it, it's one of the things they look at, but it's not everything. Mm. Um, now, as, as I'm not high on him, I wouldn't have been super happy to draft him, but to pick him up as an undrafted free agent, go and compete with Tommy Sweeney, yeah, great. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, double dipped, obviously, at uh, a cornerback. Um, you know, again, probably more of a special teams guy. But no, no, I actually think that, the cognoscenti, as much as it is, the, the people that watch the Bills, that think about the Bills, including you and I, we actually had it pretty much bang on. Um, as I said, I would have, I would have expected a different type of linebacker, but we talked about that at length. I would have probably expected us to draft the tight end. Um, yeah, uh, but no, I think it actually aligned pretty well. What about you? Any? any surprises in terms of the strategy they took I mean it's um, even the order I mean like going cornerback and then running back I mean that was kind of what we expected we for, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah 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 um just a double dip at linebacker but then is it really a surprise when the the final pick is a linebacker but, in round yeah, seven I, I don't you know, judge anything it's a throwaway thing. when it when it yes yeah, sixth and seventh round picks obviously Matt Eraser <laughs> apart yeah. to be honest I don't even even think about because these are possibly camp I mean I, I don't yeah, know that's B. all they are Brandon B says these guys have a genuine chance to make a loss he has to say that yeah. um, but the reality is these are camp bodies these are guys who are going to put the pressure on the, the bottom end of our depth chart may not make it at all if they do they might end up as practice squad players they're probably most of them are kind of traitsy guys most of them I think there's one only probably possibly not uh, traitsy guys who they hope maybe they can develop um, but yeah I mean I just said I don't judge anything on anything Christian Benford Luke Tanuta, uh, Balen Spector, 
these are not guys that we're expecting to have an impact in any way, shape or this, this coming year. If they end up on the practice squad and maybe they can one of them becomes a contributor at some point, great. But I'm not even I'm not probably not even gonna watch film on them <laughs> because yeah. uh, I think they're a long, long way away from uh, what you know, being a starting part of the Bills roster. I think Christian Benford could have a real chance just because speak from what Brandon Bean was saying like they'll start at cornerback first but he's got you know safety and nickel versatility and he's got really high ball skills like he had I think 17 passes defensed uh, in 21 and he's had quite a few picks as well in his time at Villanova so um, you know he's a tall guy pretty rangy and pretty average athlete by the looks of it but you know our cornerback depth you know we've not got but he's going to be from pressure like option. Nick McLeod and, and yeah, Tim yeah. Harris. No, know. I don't expect him to he's start. Gonna be, or he's going to be like putting that, pressure but... on those guys, isn't he? Yes. Um, Cam yeah. Lewis maybe a little bit, uh, but he's not. He's, he's going to be competing with those guys for the last cornerback spot, probably. Yeah. But I value the fact that he's got a four-year contract, whereas those guys are, you know, shorter-term options, one year, two year maximum. Mm-hmm. So I hope they kind of, you know, plays well in training camp, you know, in the games and uh, has a... a, a it is on the 53 just because it'd be nice to have a bit of a long-term backup, you know, on our squad. So um, what would you give us in like an overall grade for this class? Like I'm going to give it a B. Um, yeah. I think uh, we have, it wasn't a, we didn't get the, the star round one pick. I think I'm very happy. Uh, just to be super clear. I'm very happy with who we picked in the first round in, um, in Kyrie Lamb. But it wasn't a Source Gardner or a Trent McDuffie or an Andrew Booth Jr. And, you know, he probably fell because of medicals as well. We didn't get that sort of show-stopping Ed Oliver moment. Wow, I can't believe we managed to get that player. Yeah. I feel very similar about Elam as I do about Greg Rousseau. Like, yeah, I can see it. He's a traits guy. They think they can develop him. You know, he's got a high ceiling. When you're picking at the end of the first round, that makes sense. So we didn't get that big, splashy moment. Um, I would have liked to guard but if they didn't draft a card, I trust them. I trust the fact that they, they believe in this, uh, this offensive line group that they've got. Um, I trust the new offensive line coach. I think that's going to be an improvement. So I'm not going to get upset about that. Um, so I think that it wasn't missing much this, but it was, I mean, if you compare it to a, I don't know, Baltimore's draft hall or a Jets draft hall, <laughs> we can't say it's an A, um, but I think it's a solid B. But I suppose where we are in our life cycle as a team, this is like just to supplement the roster, isn't Correct. it? So Absolutely. if you're looking at, you know, us, we, we already talked about it at the start, but four starters out of the, the, Which is the draft. amazing. Then, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. really and impressive. And they've all got, you know, they, they all introduce new skill sets and especially an offense. So no, well, I think it's... Another way of looking at it, have we got better offense? Absolutely. We've got yeah. more options and we've got more speed. Have we got better on defense? Yeah. Absolutely. We've got, we, we, we feel the biggest hole that we have. Have mm. we got better on special teams? Yes. <laughs> we've got a punter. Yeah. Um, so in all three areas of the, the team, we've, we've, we've improved. And I think that's, that's, in, that's impressive to do. It's not easy to do that in a, in a draft, um, especially yeah. when you've got the strength of the team that we do. And I was thinking actually before this, that, you know, look at the Ravens. Ravens always have strong draft um, halls, you know, but that's their strategy is to draft players, allow them to go in free agency, not really do too much in free agency to get those comp picks and just to keep that constant cycle going. Um, but we're different, you know, we're more, you know, Brandon Bean succeeds more in free agency. You know, mm-hmm. we use for free agents, uh, for draft to, as I said, supplement the team and to fill those last few needs or different skill sets so like 
I think it'd be a good podcast to do uh, later on just to talk about strategy of the Bills and how they, you know, construct their roster compared to other teams. Because, yeah, I feel like, you know, free agency is like our strength. You know, we get these veterans in, cheap deals, um, and, you know, find meaningful roles for those guys. I think you also raise a good point. I try to look at free agency plus the draft as a collective. You know, how has our our roster changed? And then what I do is I try and compare it to the teams we're competing with. And if I compare it to New England, <laughs> I can laugh because New England, I don't know what they've been doing. I mean, how many, about 16 running backs on that, on that, on that roster now. It's just getting ridiculous. Um, I don't know what they're doing at all, but I think they've got a lot weaker. I think we have to say the Dolphins have got a little bit better, but they didn't have a good draft. I think I saw a, a chart which ranked, uh, it was like a consensus opinion of, of, of drafts. We were right bang in the middle. Uh, mostly B rank B grades, a few A's, a few C's, but essentially came out as a B. Um, the Jets were at the top. I think we have to say the Jets have improved massively. We've got to see whether yeah. Zach Wilson can exploit that that improvement. Bottom team was the New York, New, York, New England Patriots, and the second, sorry, the third bottom team was the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So, I think if we consider our competitors, main competitors to be the divisional teams, we've got to be pretty happy. And if we consider um, KC as the biggest beast in the AFC. I think they were similar to us. I think they've drafted some nice players. I liked George Kaloftis. I liked Brian Cook. Um, Sky Moore. Well, they Darren got the Kennard, I thought was great value. Yeah, 45. Yeah. Uh, Trent McDuffie is a good player. Um, Josh Williams, you know, sort of developmental uh, cornerback. They've done a lot for the defense. It was definitely defense focused. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, I do think their offense with. will drop off a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, so hot and, and that's why they need their defense to step up to, yeah. you know, to avoid that pressure yeah. Yeah. on the offense. So yeah, yeah absolutely. But, um, um, so I think that if we look at it from that perspective, how are we relative to our main competitors? when we're really happy. Yeah. Definitely. Um, no, great stuff. Good. So that was everything, I think. So anything else before we finish? Or No, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm kind of wondering how I'm going to spend the next three months. Yeah. How are we going to satisfy our football um, our football needs? But um, I'm sure we'll come up with something. But yeah, we will, we will be back with other shows. As we've got some interviews with um, some Bills fans. Um, we've got some interviews with, with people from the press. And there'll be lots of talk about roster construction and and we've even got some sort of novelty shows. We want to do and do something on Buffalo food, don't we? Uh, we have a uh, kind of a chef that we, uh, we we tend to lean on a little bit for food advice, and we want to bring him on and talk a little bit about Buffalo food. So we'll do some, some fun stuff on this off season. So uh, yeah, Bill Smith will be providing you plenty of content to get your teeth into, but it will be, yeah, it's this long drag now into uh, into preseason. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for listening. Um, we will be back uh, with lots more chat about the draft and roster construction, all that stuff we've been talking about. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, please do. We are Bills from Afar on Twitter. And probably the easiest way of getting in touch with us is to send us a DM. Uh, you can also get us on uh, on email, billsfromafar at gmail.com or individually. I am Charlie underscore sport. He is Tim Rudge 90. If you are a Bills fan from a distance, if you are not from Buffalo, Western New York, and you would like to tell your story about how you became a Bills fan, please feel free to get in touch. Uh, we are open to um, some some people to come on from different far from parts of the of the world this uh, this summer. Um, so feel free to, uh, to to make a suggestion. Um, and yeah, we will uh, return in due course. So until then, go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>